Welcome to Preaching and Preachers, a weekly podcast devoted to those who preach and to the task of preaching itself. I'm your host, Jason Allen, president of Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. Today, I want to welcome Colin Hansen to the podcast. Colin serves as vice president of content and editor-in-chief of the Gospel Coalition. He's also an accomplished author, having recently co-authored a book with Jonathan Lehman entitled Rediscover Church, Why the Body of Christ is Essential. Colin, welcome to Preaching and Preachers. Oh, so so glad to be back. Yeah, it's good to have you in, uh, I, w- I would say in the studio, but that's not accurate. We're recording uh, <laughs> via technology here from a distance, but good to have a conversation with you again today and uh, to talk about why uh, church is, uh, is essential, the topic in particular, uh, rediscovering church in a post-COVID world. And so I look forward to that. I'll get to it momentarily. Uh, we're recording on Tuesday after the great Sunday night Chiefs victory uh, <laughs> over the Buffalo Bills, which, which you were watching a diehard Chiefs fan. I was watching um, just, you know, one of the great all-time sporting events uh, ever. And so, Colin, what did it feel like watching the Chiefs pull that out at the very end? <laughs> well, it's, it's pretty special when you're watching it with your son and you're sending your son off with his Patrick Mahomes jersey to school the next day for for a guy like me who grew up cheering for all kinds of Chiefs teams that didn't have great quarterback play, I'll say by the time people are listening to this, they'll probably know, who knows, maybe we'll lose the next week or maybe the Super Bowl or lose, who knows. I'm just going to savor that because my 10-year-old, 8-year-old self, my mind would have been blown. So I would just, I loved it. It was entertaining and man, that's what, uh, that's why we love sports. And, the best. Right. And like every little league coach forever now has this an, you know, great example as to like why you never quit, why you never give up. It's not <laughs> over till it's over, you know? And uh, nope. I mean, it was nope, just such a dramatic finish and to see that unfold and you know, you almost hate it for the Bills fans. Almost. Uh, almost. <laughs> it was almost just until you think of being in their shoes and you're like, Ooh, Oh, yeah. that's right. <laughs> you know, I read a report earlier today that, um, over 90%, over 90% of all households in the Kansas City metro region were, were tuned in to the game. You know, like Everyone's watching oh. it. And they pulled it out. I mean, well, you can hear I... the city, cacophony around the city. I mean, <laughs> pots being banged on, fireworks shot, perhaps guns shot. And it was just, it was just mayhem. And uh, man, it was just, it was just something special. Yeah, well, I saw the. I saw the ratings for the NFL. The top two local markets were Buffalo and Kansas City. So you better believe when the playoffs hit there with both teams expecting expecting the most that that was one one of the rare communal experiences that we enjoy today really as a as a nation and as a society it doesn't mean that everybody's doing it but so many things and that kind of leads into our conversation today but we're so fragmented in so many different areas with media options and travel and all that kind of stuff that the NFL is one of the last things remaining that brings people together at a certain point in time uh, with that drama. And so, yeah, no wonder it's such a big deal and why the television ratings are dominated by the, by the NFL. So moving from the chiefs towards uh, the topic today, but before we get into the meat of the conversation, uh, give us a word of update on you, your family, your ministry, Colin, and let us know what's new. Well, you know, I've got uh, this last year, my wife gave birth to our third child, William Christopher. And so it was very exciting, July 1 of 2021. And so that's always something we'll look back and remember on from our first year and second year of COVID. And, um, you know, I think 
one of the things I look back on just in general as is I'm actually grateful for many things of, of what God's done through the last two years of this pandemic. But, um, you know, I got to also say that a lot of what I've seen is sort of if there were cracks or fissures in your church or in your ministry or in friendships, relationships, things like that, just seems as though COVID was sort of like that water freezing in those cracks and expanding and drawing them outward. And so a lot of ministry uh, in the last couple of years has felt like that, those cracks expanding. And so I would say what, what it's made me especially thankful for are those steady friendships of those people that I've known for a long time and trusted for a long time. And I've, I've newly appreciated those friendships and newly appreciated that integrity that's been shown. So that's just one of those things by way of, of update that I, I think about that really transcends both my church, my work, as well as just regular relationships, family, things like that. So yeah, I'm still hoping, uh, hoping we're through with this last wave of, of, of the last two years of pandemic, but uh, do wonder what the landscape is going to look like when, when those cracks are uh, stop expanding. We'll see. So with that, let's talk about the topic today in your book. Again, you have a book out with our friend Jonathan Lehman, Rediscover Church, Why the Body of Christ is Essential, out with Crossway Publishers. Colin, when did the book come out? It came out in the, uh, well, came out in the fall of last, no, spring of last year, excuse me. No, it was fall, I'm sorry. We thought about having it in the spring. We did a really quick turnaround, and we thought we wanted it in spring of 2021, for people coming back to church. Well, people didn't come back to church in spring of 2021. So providentially, we had already postponed it to the fall of 2021 in August. And so we had it ready for uh, distribution uh, to a number of churches as they were having a lot of campaigns to get people back to in-person worship. And one of the coolest things that happened is that our, our publisher, Crossway, actually committed to, they, they ended up giving away uh, 300,000 copies of the book to some 10,000 different churches or so, something like that, that requested copies um, in the United States. And so it was just a wonderful example of ministry partnership. We also translated the book, or it was translated into, I think, 19 different or 20 different language editions. And those are almost complete right now. So it was quite the joint project between Nine Marks and Crossway and the Gospel Coalition because of a desire that we've just not been through something like this before. So we're still in the middle of it. So the book seems to be still relevant. Yeah, we were aiming it for fall because we thought that's when people are going to finally start pushing back for in-person worship. So the book clearly was occasioned by COVID, at least its release. Was the book in any way on uh, on your radar or Jonathan's as, as an aspirational topic pre-COVID? Or is this all developed from idea to writing to, to publishing? all on the backside of COVID first arriving you in early 2020? So that's a, that's a, that's a great question. Uh, it was something that was on our mind for many years. So my former boss at the Gospel Coalition had a great idea. He said, hey, in my church, which was Southern Baptist, he said, we just got people coming from all different perspectives, all different churches. They don't really know what a church is. They don't know what they're doing in a church. What if we just had one really basic book that you could hand out to new members, you could hand out to existing members and say, hey, this is what a church is all about. 
So Jonathan and I sat on that idea. You know, Jonathan, he's got like a million book projects going on. So it got delayed for that. And then providentially, it happened to be he came back. I think somebody gave him the idea to say, what if we did this with a, with, you know, related to COVID? I uh, thought, okay, well, probably also because we didn't have as much travel um, and you know, events, things like that have been canceled. So we have some time to be able to knock it out in November of, of 2020 into January of 2020. And uh, yeah, that's, but that gives you a little bit of the context of just to say this was like in my church, we're non-denominational, but with some strong Baptist orientation. But people are showing up to our church from just about every kind of background. And they just don't have a shared tradition of what's happening in church. So yeah, we're handing this out to, I mean, we last membership class, we had 150 new members. Um, and we handed out copies of this book to all of them. And so, yeah, so there are some specific topics related to COVID in here, uh, especially online church and, and things like that, but not just COVID and those technological developments, but really so many of the political and racial dynamics that we've seen as well of how do you how do you be a good faithful church member considering all these difficulties that we've experienced the last couple of years? Yeah, and look, the book is so well done, and again, the, the timing is uh, is just perfect. I mean, it, it is needed, and there are people everywhere reassembling, uh, reassimilating into church. Pastors everywhere wanting their people to re uh, reassimilate into church, and then you had the discrepancy of some folks who. They're not quite comfortable going to church because of COVID, you know, put that in quotes, but they're comfortable going to sporting events, restaurants, shopping malls, et cetera, et cetera. And so it, we, right. we need to, well, as your title suggests, we need to rediscover church and church as a, as a covenantal community, God's people together right. called out of the world into a covenantal relationship, one with another, sitting on the ministry of the word, ministering the gospel together, observing the ordinances together. Uh, teaching and learning together, growing together, one another, holding one another spiritually accountable together, and so forth. So I, I guess, you know, to, to lobby a softball here, um, what are you guys trying to accomplish via this book? Yeah, that is a softball. So I mentioned, I think, the first goal, which is that is a basic ecclesiology. So just a, just a basic, what are we doing here? What is God's plan? For this thing we call the church. Who's in charge of it? What's my responsibility? What's this look like? But I think there's a particular occasional dimension to it. That's kind of the normative perspective. The occasional perspective, situational perspective, is just, why should I bother with this? Um, it's inconvenient um, insofar as you compare that to an online or a virtual worship. Um, especially with so many things have shifted online and virtual in the last couple of years. Um, but there's also the dimension of all these people I don't like, <laughs> all these people I wouldn't naturally be friends with, these, these people who I see what they say on Facebook. I see what they look like on Instagram. I see who they tweet to and, and against on Twitter. I just don't like these people. I don't feel comfortable. I might even not feel safe. Some people would say it's, it's our goal to, to draw people back to say, if you're united in Christ, you're united together you know, to Christ and united to one another as a result in his body. If you're called together to one another under the authority of the word and his elders that he's appointed in this, in this church under that you know, congregational authority, then 
you can actually be in the same church as people who don't agree with you on everything. In fact, when people come together in the church who would not normally get along outside the church, it becomes a compelling witness to the power of the, of the gospel to transcend all of these seemingly intractable political and cultural dynamics outside the church. And so just at a time when it seems as though this is the hardest thing to do, we believe that's exactly what God has called us to be able to do. And that's, and that's our evangelistic opportunity in this moment. And so we're hopeful that people will take up that challenge. And this isn't just, uh, this isn't just Jonathan and me lobbing grenades at people. We recognize, um, you recognize, all of, the, all of us who have given our lives to the service of the church recognize how difficult these things are. We've taken the criticism. We've, we've, we've been accused of various different things. We've been called to shepherd people that we don't like necessarily. And yet we've also seen that that humility, that, that service, that, that putting others, considering others more important than ourselves, exactly the, the pattern that our Savior demonstrated by going to the cross and that then calls us and commands us to do likewise, especially in the household of faith. And so that's what we're hoping for with the book. We recognize it's a fairly countercultural message at this time, but hey, when is the gospel not countercultural? So when you assess the local church nationally and um, the past two years within the context of COVID in particular, I'm curious, what do you believe that COVID has revealed about the evangelical church in North America? Uh, what what has become clear? What has been clarified based upon the challenges of COVID the past two years? Well, I love that question, and I could go in a lot of different directions. Uh, one that occurs to me right off the top of my head is that your your typical American evangelical, at least, thinks of church in very functional, revivalistic terms. Essentially, church is the place where they get taught and where they enjoy a worship experience. And so you can see then the logic extended out from there to virtual church, online worship, and things like that is an easy jump. In fact, it's a, it's a jump of efficiency, of convenience, and even of a greater quality when you realize that you can cobble together better teaching with this music over here at a different time. And in other words, a lot of the assumptions that we bring to church are individual. They're based on meeting our needs. They're not so much about our covenantal obligations to God or to one another. And so those assumptions were laid bare and then really exploded through, through the, a lot of the investments and shifting and kind of plausibility structures that, that were modified by COVID. I also think that we tend to be in most churches uncomfortable with, with only being held by the gospel. Uh, we want to also be held together by other, other aspects, whether that be our ethnicity, whether that be our um, politics, especially we feel comfortable if, yes, of course, we take it for granted that we all believe in Jesus, but we also all know that we voted the same way or have the same attitude about, about COVID. One, one thing that's 
just been very difficult. And I said this to some friends the other day is that um, I don't know that we have an example, at least from American church history, where you could look and see people's political preferences visibly manifested on their face. Of course, I'm referring here to the to the face masks and those debates. Right. And so that that's kind of what I'm saying here is it's exposed that a lot of people, and I, I can say this, I don't know if you've seen the same thing, but when I've looked around, what I've noticed is that people hold their theological convictions much lighter than they hold their cultural convictions and political convictions about things like COVID-19. So what I've seen in many cases is that people will switch wildly. We're talking about switching from a PCA church to a prosperity Pentecostal church, but they're switching because of a policy on masks. One of the questions I have as I observe this is, is this just the basic consumeristic approach that is so typical to American Christianity being revealed in yet another context? Right. I and agree. So, I think that's so, exactly right. I think of it this way. I um, had a conversation in a prompt one uh, a while back and uh, was in Kansas City and kind of bumped into a person I, I did not know, but I found myself in a brief conversation with them. And, and the conversation was such that I, I said, well, do you have a church home or where, where, do, you, where do you guys worship? And uh, the person said to me, so, well, and they said not jokingly, they were dead serious. Well, it depends upon if, if we go to the early service or late service. If we want to go to an early service, like because we're going to go to Royals game or something, then we go to this church. Yeah. If we will go to a late yeah. service, then we go to that church. And it was just just a yeah. very casual, just like, man, that's just how we do church, you know? Yeah. And of course, to me, I have like 48 alarm bells going off my head as I say that, you know, but 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 it is just representative of of at least a a portion of American Christianity. And then you have kind of conversely a different kind of consumeristic approach where, um, and often this is generationally, you know, a bit older, but to where church is about preaching. And as one is a PhD in preaching, love to preach, teaches preaching. A part of me, I love that, that you know, church is about preaching and kind of everything else is just, is just, you know, trimmings around it. But I was visiting with a few months back with um, an older couple that I, I love dearly and just made a comment about church and COVID had been, you know, obviously an issue over the past couple of years. And and they were just saying, you know, we love it. So we, we love every Sunday morning now we can watch Charles Stanley, Adrian Rogers, David Jeremiah, and the preaching is so good. And, and you don't have to get out of bed, you know. <laughs> you right. know it was right. like this, this different right. end of things, consumeristic approach to where, you know, no, we'll, 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 give, we'll, we'll give it 90 minutes, not just 60 in these three different 30-minute services. And the preaching is so good, and you don't have to get dressed up. And, and man, it's great. And, and these different little symptoms of, of a consumeristic approach. And then perhaps that shows up in, you know, the mask issue, and and I want to go someplace that has a mask policy, or at least a political posture that that most aligns with with my reading of things these days. Yeah, no, that's that's I, that's exactly right. And if you tease the logic out to its conclusions, you realize, wait a minute, why does church have to be at a certain time? Why does it have to? Why does the music and the and the preaching have to be from the same place? Why does the preacher even need to have to be living? Why wouldn't we have any historic preacher there? Why don't we even have an, an actor who might read some sort of historic sermon? But you, you realize the problem there. And the assumption, part of what you're saying here is that, well, if you have that attitude about church, you're not volunteering. You're, you're not in the nursery taking care That's of right. the kids That's there. Right. You're not teaching a Sunday school. You don't have friends that you look forward to seeing. It's not your community in that church. So you can see with, with this book, we're trying to deal with 
underlying problems that were all sort of like pre-existing conditions. So like we've seen how COVID preys upon people with pre-existing conditions. That's what it's like with the American church. We had these pre-existing conditions of consumerism and COVID came and really made the situation deadly uh, for many people. And that's the call back to rediscover something that is basic and biblical and beautiful at the same time. And we want people to have that compelling, beautiful vision for the church. And sometimes they just haven't seen it before. And we're hopeful the book will help them to see it. Well, Colin, with that word, I think we'll pull the conversation to a close. I do want to commend again your new book, Rediscover Church, Why the Body of Christ is Essential, co-authored by Colin Hansen and Jonathan Lehman, out by Crossway Publishers and available most anywhere books are sold. Colin, thank you for the time today on Preaching and Preachers. Oh, it's an honor as always. Thank you. Thank you for being with us today and for listening to Preaching and Preachers. For more information, go to my website, jasonkallen.com. That's jasonkallen.com.